All right. Good morning, everybody. Thank you, sir. It's broken a little bit, but that's not going to stop me. <laughs> Good morning. Everyone doing all right? All right. Hey, I want to greet those of you who are listening and watching online as well. If you are here for the first time or tuning in for the first time, my name is Brian. I'm one of the pastors here, and I'm just so thrilled uh, that you're tuning in, that you're here in the room with us. As uh, Rebecca said earlier, one of our worship leaders, she said, you know, we believe the Lord has led you to this place, led you to, to listen in, led you to view this. The Lord has something special for each and every one of us. And so I'm so glad that, that we're tuned in, that we're uh, seeking the Lord together. We've been in a sermon series where we've been focusing on the Spirit of God. And today, what I want to talk to you about is the gift of faith. I want to talk to you about faith. Let me start with a, a quick story. Uh, I don't think this is a true story, but um, this is the story. There's this man who was climbing, and he was kind of walking alongside this big, steep ledge. And actually, as he was climbing and walking along, he slipped and he fell off the cliff. But on his way down, luckily, he was able to grab a branch, and he was holding on for dear life. He looked up at the top, and he began to yell, is anyone up there? He heard this voice, yes, yes, I'm up here. It's the Lord. Do you believe? And the man said, oh, yes, Lord, Lord, I believe, but I can only hold on for a few more seconds. And the Lord called back down, oh, don't worry, no problem at all. I will save you. All you have to do is let go of the branch. The man looked back up and said, is there anybody else up there? <laughs> I like that. I wonder what kind of faith do we have? Where are we placing our faith? And can we place our faith in this God that we've been speaking about? I love the fact that the Lord, he gives us the gift of faith. And today I want to talk to you about a story of a man named Bartimaeus. It comes in Mark's gospel, chapter 10. And I want to talk to you about how I believe we can have a faith in God, that we can place our faith in him. That actually when we place our faith in him, we were set free. When we place our faith and our trust in him, we're forgiven people. When we place our faith and our trust in him, we can have great hope, no matter life's circumstances, knowing that he has prepared a place for us, that he's going to walk with us each and every day. But let me tell you just a little bit about the story of Bartimaeus. It comes in Mark's gospel, chapter 10. Now, at this point, Jesus has been about his ministry Jesus' life, there's about three and a half years at the end of his life where he's just out and he's, he's performing miracles, he's teaching, he goes to the cross all within this three and a half year time period. Well, it's in this time period that Jesus meets this man named Bartimaeus. At this point, Jesus had already fed 5,000 people, probably more like 10,000 people with just a few loaves of bread and a few fish. He had already walked on water. He had already healed everyone who came to him at Simon and Andrew's home. He had healed people with leprosy. He had healed the blind. He had cast out demons. He had already gone to the Sermon on the Mount and he spoke those great teachings. Jesus was growing in popularity at this time and many people were attracted 
to Jesus because of all that he was doing and the life-giving teaching that he was bringing, which actually poses the question, church, are we attractive? Are people wanting to come and hear more about this Jesus? Because Jesus, he was attractive. People were gathering, coming from towns far away just to hear from him, just to be healed and touched by him. And so Jesus is already, he's moving and he's, he's working. In Mark chapter 10, there are four main stories. The first three are really about people who missed it. And the fourth one is about a person who really got it. The first story is where these parents are bringing their children to Jesus. They're bringing their children up to Jesus that they might be, get, receive a blessing. And the disciples get upset by this. The disciples go to the parents and say, what are you doing? Why are you bothering Jesus with this? Your children are, are an inconvenience to him. Well, Jesus rebukes those disciples saying, no, no, no. You let the little children come to me. These disciples, they missed it. The next story is of the story of a man uh, It was called the rich young ruler. This man comes to Jesus and says, hey, Jesus, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus tells this man, listen, you have to follow all the commandments. And then the rich young ruler says, well, that's great because I've done all that. I've been following the commandments. And then Jesus pinpoints something that he knew that the rich young ruler would have trouble doing. Because really, it's actually not about what you do. It's about whose life you place your life into. And all of a sudden, Jesus says, listen, this is what I need you to do. This this, is one last thing. I need you to give everything you have to the poor. Sell all your possessions. Give everything to the poor. And the rich young ruler could not do it. He couldn't let go. In essence, he was saying, is there anybody else up there? Anybody else up there? Any other way? No, you must give all your possessions. And Jesus, he pinpointed this one because he knew this was the place, the one thing that this person wouldn't do, wouldn't release to the Lord. He wouldn't release it to the Lord. And scripture says that he walked away sad because he couldn't release it to the Lord. The third story is of a couple of Jesus' disciples, again, John and James. They're headed to Jerusalem. The disciples at this point are thinking that Jesus is going to march into Jerusalem and overtake the Roman Empire and sit on an earthly throne. And so James and John say to Jesus, hey, Jesus, I know what you're about to go do. You're going to walk into Rome. This is going to be great. We've been so excited for this moment. Hey, when you overtake uh, our, our oppressors and you sit on your earthly throne, hey, can we sit on your right and your left We'd love to sit there because then everybody else will look and see, wow, look at James and John. They're like part of the the team here. You know, look at them. They must have done everything right. They are highly favored. (laughs) Jesus rebukes them and says, listen, you've got it all wrong. To be great in my kingdom, you need to be the least. You need to be a servant. You're missing it. Then there's this last story, the story of this man named Bartimaeus. In Mark's gospel, chapter 10 Verses 46 to 52. I want to read that story for you. Then they reached Jericho. And as Jesus and his disciples left town, a large crowd followed him. A blind beggar named Bartimaeus, son of Timaeus, was sitting beside the road. When Bartimaeus heard that Jesus of Nazareth was nearby, he began to shout, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Be quiet. Many of the people yelled at him, but he only shouted louder, son of David, have mercy on me. 
When Jesus heard him, he stopped and said, tell him to come here. So they called the blind man. Cheer up, they said. Come on, he's calling you. Bartimaeus threw aside his coat, jumped up, and came to Jesus. What do you want me to do for you? Jesus asked. My rabbi, the blind man said, I want to see. And Jesus said to him, go, for your faith has healed you. Instantly, the man could see, and he followed Jesus down the road. I love this story. In verse 52, and Jesus said to him, go, for your faith has healed you. Go, for your faith has healed you. What was so special about Bartimaeus' faith? What was so remarkable about Bartimaeus' faith? You see, when I look at the faith of Bartimaeus, it was a life-changing faith. This wasn't just a, a ritual that he practiced. This wasn't just a religion for him. No, this was a life-changing faith that he had. What made it a life-changing faith? I want to share just a few lessons with you about a life-changing faith. The first is this, is that he recognized his need for help. I love here, obviously, Bartimaeus, he knew that he needed help. He was a blind man. He, was, he couldn't see. Maybe he had tried to get help in other places, but he was desperate for help physically. And so he cried out to Jesus. You know, friends, I don't know if you're in desperate help physically, but all of us are in desperate help spiritually, where we need the Lord in our life. We need godly guidance. We, we need the Lord. And so great and life-changing faith starts with our ability and our humility to be able to say, I need help. Now, it's usually not the Western American way. Usually the Western American way is, I can do all things <laughs> through the power of myself. But no, we are in need of a savior. We're in need of a, a restored relationship with our God who created our whole universe, who put you and I together. We are in desperate need. This is where life-changing faith begins, is us saying, Lord, I need you. Lord, I need you. Secondly, Bartimaeus, he knew that Jesus was close. Life-changing faith believes that God is near. Why would you step out in faith if God was far off? Why would you trust him if he wasn't going to walk alongside you? It would make no sense. Why would you go with me if I said, listen, I'm not going with you. Good luck. No, we have a God who loves us so much that he walks with us by his spirit every single day. We don't have to wait for heaven to know our God. We don't have to wait for heaven to hear his voice. He speaks to us and he walks with us and this life-changing faith of Bartimaeus stemmed from the fact that he believed Jesus was close. He was within earshot's distance so he cried out knowing that God was gonna hear him. I don't know, maybe for some of you, you've never heard that before. That God's not, he didn't just spin this world into motion and then back away and say good luck. But actually God is with us. What made Bartimaeus' face so life-changing? He knew that Jesus was close, but also he trusted that Jesus would care. He trusted that this Jesus would care about him as an individual. 
as a specific person. I would have to imagine that Bartimaeus had heard the stories of Jesus, that Jesus was healing individuals, that he was meeting people right where they were at in their specific need, and he was meeting those needs, that he cared enough for the, the person, that Jesus was spending time, that he did say, no, bring the little children to me, that he did go out of his way to meet a Samaritan woman. I'm sure Bartimaeus heard these stories saying, wow, this is a, this is a Messiah, this is a God who actually cares for me. Life-changing faith believes and has this revelation that we serve a God who doesn't just care for the masses, but cares for the individual, that he cares and he loves you. Bartimaeus had a life-changing faith because he also had a confidence that Jesus was able. You know, all indications pointed to the fact that Jesus was able to heal him. And so he began to cry out, even when it looked foolish for him to do so. Even when he was told to be quiet, he shouted out louder because he believed that this Jesus who was close, who cared, who was passing by, that he was able. He didn't know what was going to happen. He couldn't have written the story in that moment. He didn't know what was going to happen, but he knew what could happen. And so he began to cry out. He stepped it out and acted in faith. To some, he probably looked foolish, but he was putting his belief into practice, faith. I've heard that this Jesus is the Messiah. I've heard that he's healed people just like me. So I'm going to cry out. I'm going to step out in faith. I don't know the whole A to Z plan here, but I'm going to step out and, and I know what, what letter A is. It's me crying out for Jesus. And let's see what happens. I read this story of an Olympic gold medalist named Daryl Pace. He was an archer and he was putting on this exhibition in New York City and it got a lot of hype, a lot of publicity. A lot of news channels came out and there was Daryl Pace and he was using his bow and arrow and he's hitting all these targets and every single time he was hitting bullseye and people were amazed. And finally, Daryl Pace said, hey, listen, I'm, I'm gonna need a, a volunteer. What I need you to do is just come and, and hold this apple about waist high. Just hold it, that's all you have to do and I'm gonna shoot the apple. There was one bold volunteer who actually worked for one of the news stations. His name was Josh Howell. And Josh said, listen, I'll go for it. I've seen him hit the bullseye every single time. What do I have to lose? Your hand, Josh. That's what you have to lose. But he got up there and he held the apple. And all of a sudden, Daryl Pace, he pulled his bow back and he released the arrow and it went and went right through the apple. No harm done. He was so pleased in himself. Josh, said, wow, look at that. I stepped out. Look what I got to do. This is amazing. Then all of a sudden, the cameraman came over and said, hey, Daryl, that was grace. That was really good, but I forgot to take the cap off my lens. Would you mind doing that again? <laughs> I don't know if he did or not. We'll have to be left in the lurk on that one. I love that for him, Josh, he believed that this man was able to do what he said he was going to do. How much more do we have a God who's able to do whatever he said he can do? He's fulfilled every promise so far. Why would he stop now? We have a God who is able. I love how for Bartimaeus, his, his faith was a life-changing faith 
because he was also ready to listen to Jesus. Did you catch in this story that Jesus asked Bartimaeus to come to him? Whenever I read that part of the story, I'm like, Jesus, why'd you do that? Why would you tell the blind man to get up and come to you? Wouldn't it be easier for you, Jesus, to go to him? But you see, what Jesus was wanting Bartimaeus to do was to put his faith into practice. Okay, I want to make sure that this isn't just words. I want to make sure that you're not just saying my name. I want to see that you're actually going to put your faith and your words into action. Do you see what I'm trying to teach you right now, church? (laughs) That actually this is what it means to be a Christ follower. Not just words, but actually get up and come to Jesus. And I love that Jesus is like, hey, listen, Bartimaeus, I know you can get up, so get up and come to me. I've heard your words. Now put it into practice. And what does Bartimaeus do? I love it. You you hear this in in the word. He puts his cloak down. He leaves it. This could have been his only possession. He leaves it in order to go to Jesus. Jesus, I'm going to leave the thing that keeps me warm. I'm going to leave the the comfort that I do have. I'm going to leave that possession because you've called me and I'm going to you. I love also Jesus. He he continues to talk to Bartimaeus and he he, he asks this question. What do you want me to do for you? (laughs) What do you mean, mean, Jesus? What do you think this man wants you to do for him? But Jesus makes him say it. Makes him speak it out loud. I want to see. I want to see. Of course Jesus knew that this man would want to see. But he wanted this public confession, this public declaration to come from his mouth. Jesus, I want to see. You know, friends, in in our lives, there always comes a moment where we have to speak it out and say, Jesus, I want to see. Lord, I, I want you to be the Lord of my life. This public declaration, it's powerful. And I love how Bartimaeus, his his faith was life-changing because he was ready to listen and respond to Jesus. But also, he was eager to follow Jesus. And this is what made his life so, his faith so life-changing. I love that Bartimaeus doesn't abandon Jesus after he got what he needed. Did you catch that? In the story, he was healed, and then it said he followed Jesus. You know, sometimes I think what we do is we go to God just when we need him. I love that Bartimaeus, he didn't get healed. Now he's saying, hey, thanks, Jesus. You know, if anything else happens, I'll come back, you know, on Easter to see you, <laughs> right, on Christmas to see you. And he said, wow, you healed me. I can see. You must be the Messiah that's been talked about. You must be God in human form. I'm not letting you out of my sight, Jesus. And he followed Jesus. I would imagine that this led to a faith that was life-changing for Bartimaeus forever. I bet this led Bartimaeus into Jerusalem. I bet it led Bartimaeus following Jesus and even Jesus being denied. I bet this led Bartimaeus maybe to even see Jesus on a cross. And I believe it led Bartimaeus to see an empty tomb. Because he kept following Jesus. Hebrews 11 verse 1 describes faith in this way. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for. The evidence of things not seen. Friends, faith is having confidence in the Lord. 
and living a life trusting him. The great theologian Augustine said it this way, faith is to believe what we do not see, and the reward of this faith is to see what we believe. Faith is more than a feeling. Faith is more than a formula. Faith is placing our trust in the God who created us. I love the story of the father and son who um, their home was, was burning and the father got out of the home and the son was stuck in the second level looking out, but there was just smoke everywhere and his father was calling out to him saying, just jump to me. The son, he couldn't see the father. He said, father, dad, I, I can't see you. Trust me, I'm here, I'm gonna catch you. As the story is told, the son finally jumps out. Even though he couldn't see everything, he, he knew the substance of the one who was going to catch him. And that's faith. The son didn't know what it would feel like. He didn't know the amount of feet that he had to fall before his father would catch him. All he knew was that he trusted the one who would catch him. And this is faith. It's that we trust the God who catches us. We trust the God who calls us. We trust the God who empowers us. We trust the God who did the work for us on the cross to save and redeem us. We trust this God. You know, friends, faith takes confidence, not certainty. When you step out in faith, you step out in confidence. There may be things that you are uncertain of. You will know how things, maybe you won't know how things will turn out. You'll probably not know the full plan, but you step out confident because you know that God is calling you. He's prompting you. You know, friends, faith depends on a relationship, not a result. Great faith is strong no matter the circumstances or the outcomes of life. Great faith is measured by the substance and the depth of our relationship with God. Great faith is able to live out grace, forgiveness, and love even in times of trouble. Faith is not what our hands produce. It's the guts that got us to step out and obey God. And friends, faith is, isn't a tool. It's a lifestyle. We don't go to faith as if it were another trick in the bag. We live a life of faith. It'd be like going to a swimmer and saying, you know what, when you swim, do you get wet? And imagine that swimmer said, Sometimes yes and sometimes no. It doesn't make any sense. No, when you swim, you get wet. If you're not wet, you actually haven't gone for a swim. It doesn't make sense. It's the same with faith for a Christian. If you're following Jesus, you're going to get wet with faith all the time. Following Jesus is about fully submerging your life in faith, every decision, every conversation, every season, saying, Lord, I trust you with and in this. I wonder, what kind of faith do you have? Oftentimes I hear people say, yeah, I have faith, I have faith, but then what I realize is what they're saying is, I grew up in the church, or my mom has faith, or my grandparents have faith. It's this family tree faith that they're talking about. I've heard people say, yeah, I have faith, I have faith, but really what I find out is that they attend a service maybe once or twice. I hear people say, I have faith, but really what I discover is that they turn to the Lord just in those times when they're desperate for him. You know, I, I don't know about you, but I don't want faith as an option. I want faith as a lifestyle. 
I think of picking a golf club. When you go out and you play golf, you, you carry all these different golf clubs. And faith isn't used like a golf club where you just pull it out for the right situation. No, faith is something that we operate in every single day. And this is where the real adventure is, friends. This isn't a burden. This is a blessing where we say, Lord, what do you want to do in and through me? And then we step out in faith. This is where the greatest joy can be found. It's where the greatest impact can happen. I wonder, friends, as I close, where have you placed your faith? Have you placed your faith in Jesus? You know, we all put our faith in something or in someone. We all do. It's actually how we've been created, to put our faith in something. Sometimes we put our faith in ourselves. Sometimes we put our faith in someone else. Sometimes we put our faith in a great idea. Sometimes we put our faith in a hope for outcome. But the way we've been created, actually, is to put our faith in God. Why should I put my faith in Jesus? If I could give you just the quickest answer, it's because of an empty tomb. That's why. Because the empty tomb teaches us that God fulfills all of his promises. He's a promise keeper. And therefore, he will never leave you or forsake you. Therefore, he will cast your sins as far as the east is from the west. Therefore, he is preparing a place for each and every one of us. The empty tomb tells me that we have a promise-keeping God. Why should you put your faith in this Jesus? When I look at that empty tomb, I'm reminded that Jesus is alive. That we have a God who walks with us. That we don't follow a religion or a set of rules. We follow the person of Jesus Christ. We follow a God who loves us so much that he died for us. We follow a God who wants to have relationship with us. And so how do you put your faith in him? You turn to him. And you say, probably what was the earliest creed of all time, Jesus is Lord. People would say this before their baptisms, before they would make a confession, they'd say, Jesus is Lord. And friends, I believe as you turn your heart to Jesus in this way, when you place your faith in him, you have so many benefits. Now you're walking with the Lord. Now you can be confident in your, your hope of what is held before us. We turn to him. Jesus is Lord. You know, I was thinking today, as I was just preparing this and asking the Lord for, for a word, I was thinking, I imagine there are going to be a lot of people in their homes today. And there are a bunch of people in the room, too. And so let's just imagine this, our, our living room. But I would imagine there are a lot of people in their homes today for various reasons. One, because we had some snow this morning in New England. And I was thinking about that, and I was reminded of the story of how Peter went to the home of Cornelius. And Peter walked into the home of Cornelius. And there's a lot around that that I won't get into right now. But in that moment, when Peter went in and he shared the gospel with them, that they can know the Lord and walk with him and place their faith in him. Do you know what happened? The whole household gave their life to Jesus. And I just had this picture of people in their homes today placing their faith in Jesus. 
I have this picture of folks here in this room right now placing your faith in Jesus. Maybe you've tried other things, but maybe right now the Lord is calling your heart. Turn to him and say to him, Jesus, would you be Lord? In fact, I wanna pray that right now. Would you pray with me? Lord, we thank you that you are an amazing God. We thank you that we can place our faith in you. Lord, we wanna have a life-changing faith like Bartimaeus did. So Lord, I pray right now, if there's anybody in their homes, anybody in our campuses, anybody here at our Bethel campus, maybe who's just feeling that, that prompting in their, in their heart, in their, in their inner being to turn to you, Lord, I pray right now, just out loud or in their heart, they would say, Jesus is Lord. And Jesus, would you be my Lord? Lord, I I can almost hear hear the angels rejoicing as people just turn to you. And Lord, I pray that if anybody just declared that today, Lord, I just pray that you would come in and just speak to, to who they are in you now. They are a child of God, that they're dearly loved. They have a wonderful purpose. They have a God who walks with them, who wants to care and comfort them. Lord, we thank you, we bless you so much. In your name, amen, amen.